Hi everyone, welcome once again to VLGA Connect and as we now start the week with the newsroom, it's a very happy Monday to Catherine Arndt. How are you Catherine? Hi Chris, happy Monday to you and I'm very well, thank you. How about yourself? Going very well, thank you. Looking forward to another productive week in local government land and um, all things connected. What a lovely way to start the week. The weather is divine today, a little um, more pleasant than it was yesterday and certainly overnight was was quite unusual. We had some very strong winds, didn't we, which yes. uh, very concerning. Um, before we take a quick look at the wash up from the now all completed council elections, I understand there's been a little bit of change at the board level at the VLGA that you could update us on. Look, there has been a new appointment, but I must first congratulate all of the uh, current, well, all of the VLGA board members who stood in the recent elections and were successfully re-elected, and that was all of them. So I must congratulate those returning board members. Uh, but I also welcome a new board member to the VLGA board, and his name is Andrew Sloman. Andrew's actually on the uh, Richmond Football Club's uh, Governance and Audit Committee and has a lot of experience working in the local government sector within Australia and also in New Zealand. Uh, Andrew is also on the New Zealand equivalent of the AFL board uh, of directors. So um, we are looking forward. Andrew has started in his role, but officially will come to his first meeting in December. Uh, so Andrew is filling one of the three co-opted board member positions, as your viewers and our, my viewers will know, is um, the VLGA has a uh, combination of elected representatives on the board. We have six positions there and we have three co-opted board members who are skills-based. So at the moment, we have two vacancies um, in terms of elected representatives on the VLGA board, and we have one vacancy for the co-opted board member. So uh, viewers should stay tuned. The board will be discussing how we intend to fill those vacancies, and perhaps there will be an expression of interest process going out early in the new year. Uh, obviously, timing with council elections, changeover of councillors, that's all impacting on the timing of those processes. Yes, so we'll absolutely, yeah. Okay, so speaking about elections, um, in the wash-up, uh, you've had a chance to have a look at the statistics. We've talked a bit about the excellent results in terms of the gender balance on councils. What was the final number? Well, I've got those stats in front of me, Chris. So... As we know, 76 of 79 councils went to election. 47 of those 76 councils have a majority of women or gender parity. So that's not bad. And one out of three councils have a majority of women. So they're excellent results. Um, interesting stat, 313 new councillors have joined us in 2020. Um, that's quite a significant number of new councillors. I think there were approximately 641 councillor positions to be filled. So what's that? Um, almost half uh, are new and haven't served on council before. Oh, so 271 women are, were elected out of 621 councillors, not 641, I apologise. And... From the VLGA's perspective, we were really proud to have um, rolled out to 1,500 candidates um, our training sessions, which is an excellent stat. <clears throat> and
And the wash-up of all of that was 44% of all councillors are women. So I'm going to be a tad provocative, Catherine. There were a few people prior to the elections suggesting that holding the elections in a COVID environment would disadvantage women and would see less women run and therefore less women elected. Could it be possible that it actually worked the opposite way? A very good question, Chris, and it's something that I'm uh, interested in examining further. So as we've talked about before, we do have a Australian research grant in conjunction with La Trobe University and Melbourne University. And as part of that four-year project, we did survey all candidates in these elections and we received 728 responses to that survey. So that was an approximate return rate of 33% of candidates, which isn't bad out of 2,187. It examined quite a number of different elements. Uh, and again, this went to all candidates, male and female candidates. We are now going to break down that data into more detail and go out with some additional surveys and also do some analysis, which might involve one-on-one -on -one interviews. But one of the things we will be examining is the impact of COVID on the decision of candidates to run and really try and nail down whether it was in fact the deterrent that some speculated it would be, or in fact, it had the opposite effect. So stay tuned for that, um, that research that will be coming out. And in fact, you're going to be uh, hosting Leah and Andrea from La Trobe and Melbourne, Melbourne Uni in a few weeks on BLGA Connect and would be one of, the, one of the things to ask them. That will be really useful to know, won't it? Because in four years' time, people are already starting to talk about achieving 50-50 um, true parity. Uh, it will be interesting to know, uh, you know, how much of that good result, nearly 6% improvement, I think, off the top of my head, um, came from the environment that the election was happening in. It's absolutely worth examining. And the Minister for Local Government did put out a press release last week um, applauding those results um, from the gender perspective. Um, there was also... Um, we had two uh, First Nations uh, candidates elected. There were four who ran in the elections and two were elected, um, one successfully in Shepparton and also in Melton. Now, of course, the VLGA ran the YCCC program, your community, country and council. The minister mentions that program in his release. It did receive a small amount of state funding, but it was certainly a VLGA uh, program um, that wasn't fully funded. Likewise, um, our local women leading change uh, program was extensive, received a small amount of state government funding. And I must say, um, most of our intellectual property or content from our local women leading change program was used on the It's Our Time uh, website that the state government had um, facilitated. So we're really proud to have had such a direct input and impact on, on these results. I think it's very significant that, uh, Catherine, you're perhaps underselling it because it started a long way out from the election. It was a very uh, strategic, well-thought-out approach to those issues. And you're already talking about, you know, the approach to the next one, which shows you that it is a longer-term space that you're looking to have influence in. So all credit uh, to Thanks, Chris. And, and look, it absolutely is. And I did um, give an interview for ABC News Shepparton last week talking about particularly the First Nations 
um, candidates who were elected. And, you know, my, my narrative there is that this is, you know, the YCCC program is something that can't just happen six months out from an election. It has to be an ongoing program, it needs to be funded appropriately to allow, um, you know, better results than what we're seeing be achieved. Um, you know, the representation of First Nations people in Victoria is a lot less than it is in New South Wales, and we do have a lot more work to, to do. But likewise, um, the Local Women Leading Change Program needs to be an ongoing program. Interestingly, the Australian Research Council has allocated a $270,000 research grant for the project that we're doing over four years, and yet the funding that supported the Local Women Leading Change Program was $50,000. So, um, of course, the VLGA um, uh, covered the additional costs associated with that program on behalf of our membership, um, but we hope to see that the government can support that piece of work uh, in a more systemic way. All right, a couple of other quick notes then uh, before we let you go. The inspectorate is reminding all candidates of the obligation to submit their donation returns and they don't have that much time left to do that, do they? They don't. They've got until the 3rd of December. So the inspectorate has written to all candidates. So check your emails if you haven't already seen that correspondence from the inspectorate uh, and you are required to submit a campaign do donation return within 40 days. So that is within 40 days of the election. So 3rd of December is the day. And the key thing to remind people there is even if you were not successful, if you weren't elected, if you ran as a candidate, you must submit a donation return. Absolutely, you must. So check out uh, the inspectorate's website, social media, and also the VLGA uh, social media sites for more info on that. And even if you didn't get any donations, you've still got to put in a return saying so. Um, your induction program uh, that's running out to councils must be really getting into high gear now, Catherine? It is. We kicked off uh, the first program in Port Phillip last week, and I think we're off to rural, regional Victoria tonight uh, or tomorrow. Um, and I think at this stage, we've got about 43 induction sessions locked in and more coming in the early new year. Of course, we're offering a variety of different modules, including covering off on the mandatory induction requirements as required under the Local Government Act. So if um, you haven't seen that, check out the VLGA website. And you mentioned the upcoming VLGA Connect interview with uh, Andrea Carson and Leah Rapana. Uh, and more, I think, to, 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 to fill in some of the gaps in terms of where the ARC uh, research project is at. Um, that's not all that's planned for VLGA Connect in the coming weeks. We may be having a slight lull now, but there's a lot in the pipeline. There is a lot in the pipeline, absolutely. Really um, pleased to announce that we'll be hosting a global CEO panel. We have um, the CEO of Cork City Council locked in and also a CEO from um, Scotland, who I think is the Scottish representative on the LG Pro equivalent um, in the UK. So and Cork uh, is Ireland, is it not? It is in Ireland. So be very mm -hmm. exciting. And we're just finalising the two um, Victorian CEOs, but we're probably looking at their, of course, um, the municipalities that have been particularly impacted by COVID. Um, but of course, we all have been impacted, but we can't have a panel of uh, 79, unfortunately. I'm looking forward to the insights, but I think I'm looking forward to the accents just as much. 
Yes, well, it'd be nice to have a little bit of diversity in terms of, uh, although, you know, the way I pronounce some words, people may suspect that I'm from somewhere else. I would never have said that, would never have said that. But that's not all. Uh, David Wolfe from uh, IBAC is going to join us as well. He is. David's a regular, of course, on our programs, but it is always important to hear from the Deputy Commissioner of IBAC and former Chief Municipal Inspector. David will be talking to us about a recent research report that IBAC released that has impacts for the local government sector and how it's also relevant to the induction training and also go through some of the highlights in IBAC's annual report. There are a number of uh, different investigations, findings, et cetera, that are relevant and pertinent to the local government sector. So it will be great to have David back on the program. Always enjoy talking to David. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's full of uh, insights whenever we do have the opportunity. Catherine, that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for joining us in the newsroom. I hope people are finding us in our new time slot without too much difficulty, and I look forward to catching up with you at the start of next week. Have a great week, Chris, and I'll speak to you then. Catherine Arth, the CEO of the VLGA, with us on our weekly newsroom segment from VLGA Connect.